0: See that you refuse not him that speaks. For if they escape not who refused him that spoke on earth, much more if we turn away from him that speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I will shake not the earth only, but also heaven." And this word yet once more signifying the removing of those things that are shaken as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear for our God is a consuming fire. That verse came to me because, I don't know how you feel, but it appears that there's a shaking going on. Let's just have a look at what's going on in the world just now. I don't want to put anybody in a dumpster, but we're all pretty much aware of it, of what's happening. In the light of this, that there's going to be a shaking, and God has promised it so that that which cannot be shaken might remain. And we want to be among those that remain, that can't be shaken. Um, I have to speak to John here directly. I'm uh, speaking a little bit above my pay grade. But you've probably read about the central bank digital currency. It could be enacted, I don't know, soon. At least they're talking about it. What kind of security have we got? You got money in the bank? uh, And they can uh, close down your account. They can confiscate it. Just ask the truckers. What kind of security have we got? Where are you going to put it? Even if some of you have got precious metals, are they going to be able to find it? Are they going to make it illegal? What kind of security have we got? This past week, I was mentioning to Albert about the, now I don't know if you call it Wagner or Wagner, group of soldiers, 25,000 of them, that were heading towards Moscow. Moscow. The world can turn on a dime right now. If that had gone through and there was a change of regime, we have no idea what we're looking at. And even the whole of Europe could have been probably brought into a lockdown. We have no idea. But it can change on a dime. There's no security in the world today. But Jesus says, My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. The peace agreements that we've had over the last hundred plus years are not worth the paper they're written on. And that's what Jesus is talking about. My peace I give to you. Not as the world. Those peace agreements may not mean a thing. But as his secure We look around us and we see the insecurity that is prevalent. And we know from scripture there will come a day when they will say peace and safety. Something has to transpire for that to come about. There has to appear to be peace and safety. And once they say that, sudden destruction comes. Now that sudden destruction doesn't mean to say immediately. That could be protracted. There could be a period of peace and safety. Then sudden destruction come. But my point is, what kind of security do we we have? Last week I ended, if you were here, and made mention of the anchor for the soul. As I began to look at a message for tonight, I didn't realize it, but it was part of the message that was started last week. And the question, I think, that we need to ask, can we trust God's plan of salvation? Why can we be so sure that God's plan of salvation, he's not going to cop out? Say, no, the world's too bad. Changed my mind. How can we be sure? If a person comes, they hear the gospel message and they begin to, their hearts to become hardened and they no longer, it no longer affects them. And they move away from God and each time it's easier to move away from God. We as believers can get into the same kind of condition where we give up and we see what's going along around us and we wonder, is this all real or not? Is this all just a fable? Is this just all news that we can't believe? Or is it sure? Sure. One thing that we can be assured of is this. That for over 2,000 years, well not quite. Well, yeah, we're getting close to 2,000 years. The gospel message has gone out. Proclaiming the fact that Jesus died for our sins. Imagine that same message is true today. Nothing has changed no matter what man might try to do. To eliminate it. we've gone times of persecution in the church to try and wipe out the church. God's word today is as true today as it was 2,000 years ago. And we have the scriptures as our secure anchor to hold on to what we believe. And even that is under attack now as well. If you've read anything at all about chat GPT, GPT, talking about rewriting the scriptures, inserting it, changing it, we're under attack, but we have to rely on the scriptures that we have. And I would suggest make sure you keep a copy if you're depending on your internet connections might not be there. Make sure you have a copy, and as much as possible, get it into you and memorize it. I'm very poor at memorizing. And yet it's amazing how the Holy Spirit, when it's needed, will bring a scripture to my mind, and I can recite it, I couldn't do it five minutes prior, nor five minutes after. But Christ died for our sins once for all, the just and the righteous one for the unjust and the unrighteous. That is the innocent for the guilty. Jesus Christ did not deserve to die. But he chose to die. The plan was that he was to die even before the foundation of the world as I've been saying. So that he might bring us to God having been put to death in the flesh and made alive in the spirit. Jesus has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God. We know that to be true. If we lose sight of that, we've lost our anchor. And we need an anchor in these days. That is the place of honor and authority where all all angels and authorities and powers are submissive, subservient to him. We look around the world today and you would begin to wonder, Where are you, God? Thought you're in control. Things are getting worse by the day. What can we believe? But Hebrews nine says, Jesus Christ came as a high priest of the good things to come with a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is not of this creation. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. He entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained an eternal redemption. Eternal means there's no beginning and there's no end. His redemption of his blood is eternal. Bear that in mind. I've given you an illustration here of the tabernacle. Number of years ago, I was, Bruce Woodford and I did, we were tour guides in a full size tabernacle at Huntley Street or Crossroads back in the early 90s, I think it was. And then I was invited to go back again. They were going to have it again, I think it was 2012. So, in as much as I was asked to be part of it, I thought I would. Do the illustrations, and if need be, to go around to churches to promote their congregations to come and see the tabernacle. So that's why I have these illustrations. Let me tell you this I was contacted by the, I think he was a retired pastor at the time. And he had been in charge of the tours through the tabernacle the first time around. He called me up the second time wondering if I would commit to doing this again. My dad was sick at the time, quite sick. He was only months away from his death at that point in time. And I said, yes, I could be involved in that. But I said, how do you want to approach the teaching of the tabernacle? there's various ways. We were back and forth, back and forth, and he had one mind track as to how things should be and operate. And then I suggested something to him, and we were communicating through email. He was in a ship in the Far East. And this was his comment to me. He says, Dave, I don't want that to be introduced early in the tour because we might upset the Jews and the Muslims. That tour was to be a physical representation and teaching aid for the salvation of souls. And he did not want that. As a result, I backed out. I could not become part of that. In any case, here we have the illustration used in Hebrews that Jesus went into the holy place. What you see here, this is a wide open, there's a curtain in front of the ark there and the ark is enlarged so that we can look at the ark. But this was known as the mercy seat on top of the ark or the throne of grace that we can go to in prayer. And the blood of the animal sacrifice on the day of atonement was taken in and it was placed once on the top of the mercy seat and seven times in front of it. And Hebrews tells us here that it wasn't the blood of bulls and goats, but with his own blood, he entered into the most holy place once for all, having obtained an eternal redemption. What kind of security are you looking for? The blood that paid for our redemption is not here on earth. Had it been, Satan would do everything possible to eradicate it. The blood of Christ is in that holy place. And in fact, I think the next slide says it. We'll read it, Hebrews 9. Jesus Christ did not enter into the holy place made with hand, figures of the true, but into heaven itself. Now to appear before the face of God for us, not in order that he should offer himself often as the high priest enters into the holy places every year with the blood not his own, since he had then been obliged often to suffer from the foundation of the world. But now once in the consummation of the ages, he has been manifested for the putting away of sin by his sacrifice. Jesus has gone into the very throne room of God and taken his blood there. Outside the reach of the heavenly hosts. Outside the reach of mankind. Outside the reach of Satan. It is secured in the most secure vault in the universe. It's in the presence of God. Because God had determined it would be the blood of Jesus that would wash away our sins. And he paid that with his own life. And God felt it to be that precious that it's now in his throne room as a constant reminder of the agreement that was to be made between the Father and the Son that Jesus would come and offer himself as a sacrifice for sin. And that blood is secure in the presence of God. What kind of security are we looking for God not only made a promise to save us when we believe, but he confirmed it with an oath by sending Jesus Christ as the mediator between himself and us. And we get that illustrated in Hebrews 6 with the story of Abraham. When God made a promise to Abraham because he could swear by no one greater He swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you. And so, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men indeed swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. Thus God, determined to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath. By two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, security. God made a promise, He's not going back on His promise. We can proclaim the gospel message today and tell you when you believe your destiny is with God for eternity. And by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor for the soul. Where is the anchor? The anchor is not here on earth. The anchor is not in the depths of the sea. The anchor and the hope of the believer is in the very throne room of God because the blood is there. And Jesus is there sitting at the right hand of God. We have an amazing message to give. As we look around, there's no security. But when we look to God and we look to what Christ has done, we have every security that this world cannot give. What better message could we have to preach than that? So we have... This hope we have as an anchor of the soul both sure and steadfast which enters into the presence behind the veil where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. It just struck me just to think Of the preciousness of the blood of Jesus. That God has kept that in His throne room. I'm going to speculate. Try the, try the main mic. Oh, is it on? No, it's the main one. That's the main one. Okay, let's just go with the main one. That's okay. We'll just go with the main one. I'll have to sit in my seat here. <coughs> so he's gone into the very presence of God with that blood. Uh, where was I at? I was Speculate. Speculate. That's what I was going to We all like to speculate. So I'm not saying thus says the Lord. But you'll remember when Jesus was raised and he met Mary in the garden. And he says, touch me not. I've not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my father and your father, to my God and your God. A week later, he shows up. Where the disciples were and the other believers, and the doors were locked, and he came through those closed doors, and he says to them, See? How's it worded again? Um, a spirit has not flesh and bones. And he says, see, handle me. Touch me. How come? He said to Mary, don't touch me. Now he says, it's okay to touch me. Is it possible? During that space of time, Jesus went in to the throne room of God and his blood was put there. Speculation. But somehow it got there. And we can be assured of it. And God knowing That every being in the universe would try to eradicate that blood has securely placed it in that throne room. And we have an anchor for the soul because Jesus is there in his blood. Our anchor is there. Our hope is sure because our anchor is grounded in the Lord Jesus Christ and our hope is steadfast. Because the line attached to the anchor is the Holy Spirit, which is our connection with Christ in heaven, where his blood is safe and secure. This is the reason why we need the Holy Spirit. Our anchor's there in Christ. We're here, but we need a connection. And here's something else that we forget that we've been raised and we're seated in the heavenlies in Christ. There we are in the throne room of God. Every believer is in the throne room of God. You look around and say, it sure doesn't look like it. No, but it's true. Remember, your anchor is there, but so are you there in the very presence of God. The difficulties that we face in life then changes. I remember the first time going up in an airplane. I was 10 years old, we flew the Atlantic. And I couldn't get over it looking down and seeing all these cars that look like dinky toys. And all of a sudden you realize, boy, all the things and the problems that we have down here, if you just get up a little bit up in the air, they don't look so big anymore. We're seated in the heavenlies in Christ. We can look down on our circumstances. We have an expression, look up. I keep telling people, no, look down. You're seated in heavenlies in Christ. Whatever our problems are that we face here, if you look at them from the throne room of God, they're minuscule. My wife got brain tumors. And I got brain fever. It's tough going through that. But when you realize... God has a plan, and his plan first of all was for our salvation. And my wife hung on to that to the very end, never wavered a moment. Why? Because our anchor is in Christ. So how long does God's promise of salvation last? Hebrews tells us even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. In this way, God qualified him as a perfect high priest and he became the source of eternal salvation to all those who obey him. Eternal again is without end. No beginning and no end in these verses. He is the source of our eternal salvation. Have you ever questioned your salvation? Fortunately, I haven't. But I can tell you a story, a true story. There was a brother that I knew that had ministered around the world most of his life. And John, he was a banker from Staten Island. I think he worked in Manhattan. He traveled the world. And he was in his 80s at this time. And I phoned him up and asked him if he would come and pay us a visit. Now, senior's moment. (laughs) Well, Holy Spirit didn't take me there. Oh, thank you, Rick. Thank you. He was in his 80s. We had gone through a split in the church that we were in, worldwide split. And he took some, a conference out in San Francisco, which I attended, I was in my teens at the time. And the cause of the split was by one person that had been a leader, big leader in that whole church movement. And this particular person had been the editor of all of his books. And he was shaken to the core. And he says, I began to question if I was even saved. Sometimes we have to come down to the bottom, hit rock bottom, and reassess and go over our salvation experience. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing so that we know that we know that we know. And we have to be reminded that our anchor is in Christ. If you lose sight of the anchor, you're going to flounder and you're going to have a shipwreck. But this salvation that God has given is is for an eternity. Can you trust God? Can you trust his word that he says, if you come to me and believe in what I have provided for you through the cross of Christ, that that salvation I give you is going to be for eternity. Can you take that to the bank, John? Yes, definitely we can take it to the bank. I'm going to skip over the next bit. We have this hope of salvation as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul that cannot slip and it cannot break down under whoever steps out upon it. It's a hope that reaches further and enters into the very certainty of the presence of God within the veil. That's probably from the New Living Translation. There's your anchor in Christ. Jesus has gone to heaven. He's seated in the place of honor next to God and all the angels and authorities and powers accept his authority. We have received an eternal redemption. The blood will never lose its power. The blood is secure in the presence of God and Jesus is the source of our eternal salvation. Can you trust God? Absolutely we can definitely trust God's plan of salvation because Jesus and his blood are in heaven let me close something that i wanted to read here because maybe we are not uncertain about the god that we have put our trust in is he able to do what he says And this is taken from Isaiah chapter 40. I'm going to read verses uh, 12 and 13 first. Who has directed the Spirit of the Lord, or been his counselor, or has taught him? No, I've got to go back to verse 12. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, and measured out the heaven with a span? And measure the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance. It's a question. Who has it? The God who measures the expanse of the universe with the span of his time, his hand, has promised to give you the security of an eternal salvation. Imagine. A God like that, and he measures the dust of the earth in scales. Is he not great enough to give you the security you need? We'll drop down to verse 28. Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and the justice due to me is passed away from my God. Have you not known, have you not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, Fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He gives power to the faint. Anybody faint? And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary they shall walk and not faint I shared this with somebody this morning because this this last verse I will never forget when I had come to the end and thought that life was not worth living and I cried out to God and this is the verse he brought to my memory but they that wait upon the Lord Shall renew their strength. I didn't think that was possible at the time. I'm here. The grace of God is wonderful. And He took me from the dust, but I had to reach the bottom to find out where my anchor was. And I ask you tonight where's your anchor? Can you, will you, trust in God for your salvation? Will you trust God for your day-to-day living as a believer? Is he trustworthy? If our salvation is not trustworthy, he's not trustworthy to put our trust in from day-to-day. He's a God that's far beyond our imagination. Where do we fit into that expanse? The whole universe in the span of his hand. And he came down because he loved you and he loved me. Will you give your heart to Christ tonight?